Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Starting things right, is, is a difficult thing to do. Uh, so we had our first uh, Munich prayer meeting. We've had two now, and our first one was about a month or so ago, a month and a half ago. And um, we uh, we want to plant a church in Munich. It's as simple as that. We work closely with a guy called Andre Bondarenko and uh, him and another guy called Ivan, who's in Krakow. So Andre's in Kiev, um, his friend Ivan and my friend now in Krakow. And they felt strongly uh, to plant a church into Munich. And I, I felt the same thing. I agree with them. Uh, and I, I get a bit, I can't, I just get fidgety. And so once we started talking about it for a while, I'm like, well, can we do something? What can we do? And uh, I mean, they can't travel to Munich. We can't travel to Munich. The world is a very locked down place. But I felt, actually, we need to do something. We need to take a faith step here, even though we have nobody in that city Uh, no one who even wants to move to that city and if we're honest we don't even have much of a plan it really is just that it's a desire and that's about it but i just felt we should do something so i said let's do a zoom prayer meeting we're doing zoom prayer meetings for all of the sites that we want to plant in ccm Uh, and so let's do one for munich and actually because it's on zoom it doesn't matter where anybody is we can still pray for the city and uh, i invited lots of people and talked about it loads And then on our first one, there was four of us. That's right, four. And it was a tiny bit chaotic. There was two of us from Manchester, uh, from CCM, and two from Krakow, uh, the church there. Uh, Lovely people, very faithful. Um, But nobody, nobody even, I think, that could speak German, let alone from Germany. And uh, we started this prayer meeting. And uh, I don't know if you've ever, this might just be me, but... I felt a deep sense of stupidity. <laughs> I felt like a complete pillock. I, I felt like an, I genuinely thought, what on earth? This is so stupid. What am I doing? This is not a good idea. I thought, I am wasting these people's time. I had Graham. I convinced lovely Graham, to, just wonderful Graham, who works hard, him and Marion, serving all over the place in CCM. The number of times I phoned him uh, and he's on the road somewhere to see someone or he's working on something for the trustees and he just, you know, and Marion does very similar, working really hard in lots of things all the time. And I'm kicking myself thinking I've got Graham to come onto this call and I'm wasting his time. And uh, he's then going to go to his community group, which he's doing after this prayer meeting I've got him on. And they're going to say, how was it? And he's going to say, well, <laughs> there was no one there, really. And the one of the guys that was there was driving his van whilst on a video call. So this thing was was chaos. I was sitting there in his prayer meeting, which I was leading, thinking, oh, Tim, what have you done? And in that moment, God nudged me. And he very quietly said to me, Tim, this is how we start things. Very simple. That's all he said to me. And I realised, OK, in this moment, I've got no people. I haven't really got much time, if we're honest. I haven't got any money. I've really not got a plan either. There's The list of things I don't have is long in this situation. And you realise in that moment that starting things is difficult. Getting something from nothing is really difficult. 
Uh, we uh, have done some work with a pastor in America called Bob Roberts, and he says church planters are able to grow grass on rocks. In other words, we are starting in a very difficult place trying to do a difficult thing. And actually, that's not just true for church planting. It's true in lots of parts of life, isn't it? When we're trying to start something from new. So I was trying to start a relationship with Vicky. Uh, well, it's our 21st wedding anniversary this year, so it'll be about 23 years ago. And the first time I asked her out, she turned me down dead and took her a number of months to come round to the idea that going out with me was acceptable. Um, starting things is difficult, isn't it? Going for a new job or starting at a brand new job is a difficult thing. Starting a business, perhaps, is a difficult thing. Going from something to nothing, even beginning a new friendship with someone. Actually, it's difficult, isn't it? Starting at the beginning is a difficult thing. And so I want us to think about that today. How do we get started? How do we make that leap into the unknown and it's easy when we when we talk about faith which is kind of what we're talking about this morning it's easy to get a little bit kind of mystical about it and uh, actually I think it's very simple there's some very simple steps I'm not saying it's easy but there are simple steps to get moving in our trusting in God uh, and so we're going to talk about that today we're, we're also we're mainly talking about give big that's kind of uh, why I want us to think about this uh, we're talking about planting churches uh, in Manchester and in Europe, and that we want to fund that and give big is a great opportunity to do that. We're going to try and get six of these moving at the same time. That includes the one in Munich and in Denton and a number of other places and with different people groups. Um, but this isn't just about church planting. OK, so I'm going to talk about that lots. But I want you to think actually starting things is difficult. But actually, there is a way through in this. So we're going to read uh, from Hebrews 11. If you've got Bibles, uh, open it up. Go to Hebrews 11 verses 8 to 12. Um, please do that. Um, and I'll just read for you. So Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went into, went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. She was, she, since she considered him who was faith, uh, him faithful who has promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Starting things is difficult. It was difficult for Abraham. It's difficult for us. And it requires actually constant decisions. Uh, and so we might we can think in terms of steps and boldness and things like that. But actually, those steps and boldness come in constant decisions that we have to make and those decisions are all to trust God even when the odds feel very stacked against you even in those moments of discomfort I was talking about my Munich prayer meeting my discomfort is often embarrassment and feeling a bit silly that is that is discomfort how it works for me um, so we're going to get into this how do we how do we make those decisions to keep trusting God and I think there are four decisions four things that we have to remember to have to process in order to kind of keep going 
in this way, like Abraham is described as here. So the first one is that faith starts with no end in sight. Faith starts with no end in sight. And it describes him. It says he went out not knowing where he was going. So Abraham, who was called Abraham at the time, uh, was uh, from a place called Ur in the Chaldees. Ur is a funny name for a place, but that was where he was from. And it was a very affluent place, probably one of the first big cities in humanity, in human history. This is thousands of years ago. So it was a place of affluence, place where people were building homes and living there. People were growing wealthy. Um, There's a, a town that was dominating the, the whole area that it was in. Very important place, very well established. And uh, he, his father actually moved the family. His father felt we should go to Canaan, okay, to which we would call Israel, that part of the world. We should go there. His father felt that. And they went to leave and they left, but they got to a place called Haran, which is not far away from where they started, and they settled. That's what it said. Now, you can have an idea of where you're going, like Abraham's dad, uh, and uh, but no idea how to get there, I suspect, like Abraham's dad. And after the few, first few steps, you can just settle for what you have. Actually, you can just slow down and stop. And when it describes in Genesis, he settled there is that sense that he began kind of what he had left. He actually began uh, to settle and build homes and to live there and even to worship the old gods that they had worshipped and just to kind of slip back into the old habits. And it's very easy to do that, actually, in life to kind of you take your first few steps and you get so far and then just think, actually, I'm going to settle for what I've got. And I'm going to suggest it gets a bit easier to do that as you get older. Right. So uh, I'm going to preach this same message at Fallowfield this evening and uh, that I will say it to them as a word of caution, because many of them are in their very early 20s. And I say this to us. I know many of you are very young at heart, but we are a bit older, aren't we? And it's actually for us. We have to be honest, say it gets easier to settle as you get older, perhaps even to put those kind of faith adventures down to the enthusiasm of youth. Isn't it? Think, oh, I might have done that when I was younger. I had less responsibility or even say those younger people now, it's it's for them to do this stuff. We can do that in our heart, especially when life becomes more pressured with work. It increases in responsibility, perhaps in tiredness uh, and family life as well, maybe um, can cause that, too. Just as you get older, it can cause you to settle, perhaps even disappointments that have happened in the past. Perhaps as they began that journey and they got to Haran, it had been a tough journey to get that far and it was disappointing for them. And so they settled. And that's what he does. And actually, as the story is told in Genesis, Abraham's father settled and then he died, which is very dramatic, isn't it? But there's that sense that perhaps he just kind of gave up hope and then it ended for him. His kind of journey, his journey as a, a character in the Bible certainly ended. And there's a sense that when we give up faith and when we give up hope, life leaves us so when abraham's father died abraham then started the journey to canaan again and he took his family so uh, his father had taken the whole wider family because he was the patriarch and taken a huge group of people uh, and then he died and abraham then took his direct family and left his wider family and pushed on into the journey 
And that's a very big moment, actually, and to say, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to believe God, even though everyone around me is not doing that. The prevailing culture of the time says, settle here and live in this way. And he says, no, I'm going after what God has called me for. And as he did that, he still had no idea okay, how it would end. It says he didn't know where he was going, but he knew he had to go to Canaan, to this place. And Ur, where he is from, is in southern Iraq, as we would know it today. And so that is probably a thousand kilometers from where he wanted to get to, I would have thought. But and there were no cars and trains. He was on foot, him and his family, very slowly going uh, and very boldly going. Actually, it reminds me a little bit as to when Jesus called those fishermen as he walked along the Sea of Galilee and he told them to put down your nets and follow me. And he said, I'll make you fishers of men. They had really no idea quite where they were going or even how they were getting there, but yet they decided to follow. They decided to take that leap into that life of faith, to trust God. And as we do that, as we as we step out, as we, as we start we, um, this kind of decision that um, faith starts with no end in sight, uh, we are effectively saying we're going to put down what is behind us. We're going to move forwards in God's. We kind of have to abandon the past a little bit. Uh, it's an interesting way of thinking about it. So often we're very uh, dominated by our upbringing, by the things that we have learned and taught, the things that we kind of bring on in the culture that we live in. And the call from God is actually put all of that down and follow me. We live to follow God, not to follow other things. And for Abraham, that was a big deal. That was putting down the worship of other gods, of other lifestyles to actually pursue God's. Now, for us, that may not be a literal journey. I'm not suggesting all of us have to walk a thousand kilometers somewhere. It may not even be a great change of circumstance, actually. But it's to put down everything and to serve God, to say, actually, everything I do is for God's. And that is as decisive as Abraham's move. And as we do that, we cannot know the end at the beginning we cannot know the end. It is not for humans actually to know that stuff. Now, one of the things I love about uh, financial giving to, when thinking about Give Big uh, is that it costs money. Now, this sounds glaringly stupid, but when you give away money, you, you don't have that money anymore. It's gone. Same as when you, you spend money, when you save up something to buy something. I don't know what our kids have saved up to buy a new pair of trainers. Once the money has been spent, it's gone. And you know that when you save up to buy a car or something like a big lump of money, when you spend it, it's gone. And same with giving. When you decide, actually, I'm going to give this money away at that point, you don't then get it back. It's gone. And that is a wonderful moment of trust, isn't it? Whenever you do that, it's a, a big moment of trust. And you start at the beginning not knowing how it'll end. You think, I'm going to give away this amount of money and I don't know how it's going to work for me no longer to have that money. And that is a moment of trust, isn't it? It's a big moment, actually. Faith starts with no end in sight. Also, the other decision we have to make as we're thinking through, the, the second one is faith means being out of place. So it describes how Abraham was living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Now, as he tells this story of Abraham, it feels very temporary, doesn't it? His family's situation. They have walked a thousand kilometers uh, to a foreign land and they are living in a tent. 
that's how they're doing. So they've left the big city, that way of life. And now they find themselves where God has sent them to, but living in a tent, waiting for an unfulfilled promise in that moment. Abraham's faith meant beginning to make the unseen seen. And that's what he was doing in that moment. Now, this section of Hebrews actually begins in verse one of chapter 11, where it says faith is the assurance of, of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then th this whole kind of chapter after that is uh, the writer kind of explaining and expanding this. Effectively, Abraham was living in tents as an heir to a promise. He was trying to make the unseen thing see. Next week, we'll get a, a picture of what that's like, actually, what it's like to see uh, actually what was unseen for a long time. When we get to be in our new venue as, uh, as CCM Gorton, as we get to be in the Oasis Centre, which they are very kindly letting us use. Actually, that's a great example uh, of seeing of God's promise coming true. But the Oasis team had to live with for, for years the promise without seeing the promise. Uh, before even the building project and the money raised and all of that, there was a long time of just knowing, OK, we believe God has promised this. We can't see it. It's, it's nothing is happening, uh, but we're going to try and make the unseen seen. We're going to live that out. They, they're a sense they were heirs of the promise in a funny way. And it was a way of living very temporary to hope for a better thing. And sometimes we, we get to live like that. We have to believe the promise without yet seeing the fruit. Actually, that's an important way of growing in maturity as Christians to uh, live and believe. Actually, I know God has promised this and, and I'm going to live as an heir to this. But at the moment, I'm living in the tent. I'm not living in the city of promise. They were living a very temporary life. They were waiting on God's. And that is a very uncomfortable place to live in. If you were listening last week, Colin uh, preached and he preached he finished our mission series and he talked about how we never give up and uh, afterwards uh, Vicky and I were reflecting as we often do particularly after Colin preaches actually uh, we're often reflecting uh, on things that he's said and we were just talking about there are many things that we have prayed for and that we still pray for that haven't happened yet uh, and I put yet in there <laughs> and that yet is who knows that we have prayed for things that haven't happened and we hope it's a yet uh, but we have to live in that don't we and um, we have to live in that uh, that they haven't happened and i'm sure we know all, all all of us know this sort of experience this sort of thing can be quite painful can't it really perhaps wondering when god is going to to do what he has promised what we believe him to have promised and in that moment of discomfort there is great faith there so often we tell the faith stories after the promise has been coming like wow that is so much faith to get to that point the faith is when it hasn't happened. That's when the faith and trust in God is. Those are in the, in the moments where it seems silly, when we feel silly. Perhaps even other people think it's ridiculous. In that moment, that's where the faith is. The is the opportunity to trust God for what we cannot see. Perhaps we've prayed for people who have been ill and they stayed ill. Or perhaps we've prayed for someone that we love to become a Christian and they haven't yet. Perhaps someone we love has walked away and we're praying for them to come back again or, or whatever it might be that you've prayed for and it hasn't happened yet. And it's tempting to look around and see the tents and see the temporary and see what's in front of us and not to see the city. 
we sometimes see something that's temporary, flimsy, and easily destroyed, don't we? And we don't see what God's up to. Every time uh, I've planted a site of CCM, I can remember it very clearly on numbers of occasions. But the one that really sticks out in my head is um, there was a particular Sunday at the when we planted Fallowfield, I think in the in the second year of planting and um, hardly anybody was there. And the preacher was a guest preacher that week and he turned up and he brought um, four or five people from his church with him uh, to preach. And I remember thinking, gosh, the four or five people he bought has nearly doubled the amount of people that we've got here. Oh, gosh, this is embarrassing. And, and I remember thinking, if I stopped this and just cancelled it and we didn't show up next week, I'm not sure anybody would notice or be that bothered. And it was very easy to look and see what it was, but not to push through. And in that, there is that sense of feeling out of place, feeling like the, I, this is just wrong. This is very temporary. That sense of having to just wait. There is great faith in those moments, actually. So faith means starting with no end in sight. Faith means that that being out of place. And faith means looking for God's work, not for ours. So it says Abraham, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham could see, like we said, God's city, not the human tents that he was living in. And there is a strange mystery in this story, actually. There's something unusual in this. And um, we see Abraham walk probably a thousand kilometers with his family from southern Iraq to this promised land. And when he gets there, does he start building a brand new city? No, he doesn't. He actually doesn't seem to do very much when he's there. Uh, actually, there's no frenzied activity. There just seems to be a level of trust in God and God working on Abraham's character as well. And so for me, there's a question that hangs over this story and that we kind of have to ask ourselves a little bit. And that is, what do you see? Do you see the plans of God? Perhaps even what do you look for? Do you look for your own work or do you look for the plans of God's? And I wonder if Abraham actually found himself having to make that choice to to remind himself of the promises of God. And God had promised him some stuff. He promised him the land that they'd got to. Uh, they promised him descendants as well. They were to be numerous as the stars in the sky, the sand on the beach. Um, and at this point, as the story is told by the, the author of Hebrews, he had Isaac and his, the two boys, Isaac and Jacob. And that's it. And before that, it took years for them to have kids. So they were looking at even nothing then. So he would have been reminding himself. We have to look at what we've got and ask God what he sees. And, and that's a difficult thing to, to look at what we've got, perhaps even again with our finances, look at what we've got and see what God sees. But the situations we find ourselves in life to look at them and ask God, what do you see in this? Colin uh, tells a story of how he was uh, helping two uh, kind of a couple who were planting a church in, in Boston in America, I think it was. And uh, he, he tells a story of how they were stood there. And I think they were on a, on a tall building looking out over the area. And uh, they had absolutely no people. I think Colin and these two people were all that was of this church plant. And Colin said to them, we're not just planting a church here. We're planting a region of churches is what we're doing. And he was trying to help them see what God sees, not what they could just see themselves. Now, 
the reality in that moment was there was nobody. There was the couple. Maybe they had a family as well. That was it. And Colin is saying, actually, let's see the plans of God, not our own plans. When I think about our Denton a prayer meeting uh, uh, and I pray for Denton I pray for it every morning actually when I'm walking around my garden I pray for Denton I pray for the Northern Court I pray for Munich they're the kind of the three that I've given myself to pray for at this moment and um, I'm, when I'm doing laps of my garden I'm praying that we would see a, a thriving group of people who are devoted to Jesus who are in community together and on mission together that's what we want devotion community mission uh, yeah, that is a church for us in these in this place i'm praying that for denton and as i pray i find myself praying for tamesides and praying that actually this church in denton which doesn't exist uh, would be a church planting church into tamesides uh, and it's my hope that that is what god sees I, i'm asking god is this what you see uh, let's pray into this and, and where are we at the moment well there's a few people who are gathering to pray that's where we are with denton and uh, and that's how it is at the moment and we're happy with that uh, but there's not much there and when, if you look at it with human eyes uh, and i've explained it to some friends of mine who are pastors and they're like you're going to plant six churches and i'm saying well yeah okay slow down this is what we've got in these places and you can see them kind of thinking this 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 is crazy um but this is what we feel to do and actually you might find this in in your own life as well you might think actually I'm looking and I can see tents. I can't see the city of God. I can't see this place where the foundations are, are laid by God, where he is the designer or the builder. I can't see it. Perhaps it's in a, a life controlling habit. You're thinking I'm battling to change this, but I'm not seeing any change. Perhaps it's in uh, family life at the moment, which is hard work. Perhaps it is in your job, whatever it might be with your help, your, your health even. You're, you're looking at what you have at this point and thinking, I can't see what God is doing. And perhaps in that moment, the, this faith thing to do, to, to look for God's work, not ours, is just to pause and pray. Simply to say, God, would you just give me a clue as to what you see in this situation? What I am to believe you for. So the things that we think about are that actually our faith, starts with no end in sight it means being out of place faith means looking for god's work not ours and finally and what we'll finish with this is faith means small victories become huge wins faith means small victories become huge wins and it says here therefore one from one man that's abraham and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So we are talking about Give Big uh, this week, which we do twice a year. And uh, I, I want over the next couple of years uh, to raise £72,000 to plant sites in Manchester and churches in Europe. That is my, my prayer. So we but we do two give bigs a year. The November one is for the poor. This May one we've done traditionally for a mission. Actually the last three give bigs, we gave it all away to the poor because of the pandemic. We wanna get back to, actually we wanna give into mission as well. So we wanna to give to the poor to the mission every year with these two give bigs. So this May one in 21 and then May again in 22, I think we will give to this. Uh, and our desire is to raise this money so that we can plant sites, we can seed fund these initiatives uh, and to help get them moving, maybe buy some staff time, maybe hire a venue, whatever it might be. That's what we want to do. 
And we do this looking forward to this city of God. We're looking forward to this, to, to give in to this promise. That's what I want to do. And you may look at what you've got. You may think, okay, okay, Tim, I hear what you're saying about giving. Okay, that's fine. I, I can I can give some. And you might look at what you have and think, Tim, this is really not very much. It is not going to be much use to you. And you may find yourself thinking, I'm not sure I should even bother. Because if I give or if I don't give, I don't think anyone's going to notice. It's not massively going to affect the overall figure that they're going for. Uh, so what's the point? Why would I do that? And I wonder if the disciples, Jesus' disciples felt a little bit like this when they were looking at thousands of people and they've been told, you've got to feed this lot. And they find themselves wondering, how on earth are we going to do this? All we've got is this lunch from this small boy. Literally, it will feed maybe one person here, maybe two, uh, if they're willing to kind of share. How on earth is that going to work? It's a similar kind of feeling, perhaps, when we think about giving. What difference does it make, particularly? Actually, God takes what we give in obedience whether that's our money or whether that's our time, uh, whether that's our energy, whether that's our praying, uh, whatever it might be. God takes what we give in obedience and he uses it how he wants to use it, not how we imagine it being used. He multiplies ways in things actually we don't understand and perhaps even in ways that we cannot see. Abraham and Sarah could not see how they would have kids. They couldn't. If we were to read through that, that story, they couldn't see how they were going to have their own children, let alone these descendants they were supposed to have that were going to be more than the sand on the beach, more than the stars in the sky. And I, as you read that story of Abraham and Sarah, you look at it, it had a very deep effect on them, on their relationship. Seems to be in a very difficult place. They made some terrible decisions trying to make God do what he want, what they wanted him to do, to force this plan into action, some awful decisions. And really what God wanted was their obedience and their trust. They didn't have anything to offer. They didn't even really have the ability to have children to offer. That, that was the situation they were in. All God wanted them to do was offer up what they had in obedience. And he takes that and he multiplies it as he wants to. So starting things is difficult, right? Without a shadow of a doubt. We, as we think about Give Big, as we think about planting sites, as we think about restarting in-person services in Gorton, or perhaps as you think about initiatives in your own life, thinking, actually, I, I want to start um, praying for my colleagues at work, or I want to share my faith in this situation, or, or I want to spend time with my kids in this particular way, or with these people on my street in this particular, whatever it might be, you want to start something, it's difficult. We start with no end in sight. We start with that, with feeling out of place and like this is very temporary. I'm not sure this is going to work. We start then looking for God's work, not ours. God, give us your eyes to see this, not our own. And we know that actually the small victories we have, the obedience that we give become huge wins because God is on them, not because of us. 